Welcome to the show, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Only You Podcast. This is your host, Lo Jackson. Today, I am going to be reading to you a book called The Kabbalion, a study of the Hermetic philosophy of ancient Egypt and Greece, the three initiates, uh, the alchemical text is number two. This book actually is a really, really good read, you guys. I would give it a four-star review just because some of the terminology is so hard to understand, honestly. Um, this book was written by William Walker Atkins. He was born on December 5th, 1862 in Baltimore, Maryland. He unfortunately met his demise on November 22nd, 1932 at the age of 69, and he was living in sunny Los Angeles, California. His pen name was Theron Q. Dumont and Yogi Ray Marcharaka, whatever that should mean. <laughs> he wrote an estimated 100 books in all over his lifetime. William Walker Atkin was, was born in Baltimore, Maryland on December 5th, 1862, um, to Emma and William Atkinson. He began his working life as a grocer at 15 years of age. He married Margaret Foster Black of Beverly, New Jersey in October 1889, and they had two children. Their first child died young. The second later married and had two daughters. Atkins pursued a business career from 1882 onwards and in 1894, he was admitted as an attorney to the Bar of Pennsylvania. While he gained much material access in his profession as a lawyer, the stress and overstrain eventually took its toll, and during this time, he experienced a complete physical and mental breakdown and financial disaster. He looked for healing, and in the late 1880s, he found it with New Thought. And if you don't know what New Thought is, New Thought Movement is also Higher Thought, is a spiritual movement that uh, coincide, uh, coincides here in the United States, and, and it was in the early 19th century. New Thought was seen by its adherents as succeeding ancient thought, accumulated wisdom, and philosophy from a variety of origins, such as ancient Greek, Rome, Egypt, Chinese, Taoist, Vedic, Hindu, and Buddhist cultures and their related belief systems primarily regarding the interaction between thought, belief, consciousness, and the human mind and the effects. I just thought I'd share that with you because, you know, everybody needs to know what new thought is if we're talking about it. Thank you guys for listening to the Only You podcast. Later attributing the restoration of his health mental vigor, and material posterity to the application of the principles of new thought, mental science and new thought. Some time after his healing, Atkinson began to write articles on the truths he felt he had discovered, which were then known as mental science. In 1889, an article by him entitled A Mental Science Catamachist appeared in Charles Fillmore's new periodical, Modern Thought. I totally butchered that word, you guys. It's C-A-T-E-C-H-I-S-M. 
Catechism. Oh, catechism. Wow. I'm nuts, you guys. <laughs> hey, sometimes words look so weird when you don't read them every day. I'm not the greatest reader ever, but I love the information that it does give here. Um, a catechism for ancient Greek is a summary or exposition of doctrine and serves as a learning introduction to the sacraments traditionally used in catechesis or Christian religious teaching of children and adult converts. Kind of interesting, right? I had never seen that word actually written out. I mean, I know what catechism is, but hey, if you don't see it every day, forgive me, guys. By the early 1890s, Chicago had become a major center for new thought, mainly through the work of Emma Curtis Hopkins and Adkins decided to move there. Once in the city, he became an active promoter of the movement as an editor and author. He was responsible for publishing the magazine Suggestion, 1900-1901, New Thought, 1901-1905, and Advanced Thought from 1906-1916. So each time he had a magazine, it stayed around longer and longer, so people enjoyed it more and more, it seems. In 1900, Adkinson, and, I, and I'm reading this to you guys so you get an idea about the writer in the beginning and what they went through kind of to... Get them to write a great write, you know. So, anyways, back to this. Thought, force, and business in everyday life being a series of lessons in personal magnetism, psychic influence, thought force, concentration, willpower, and practical mental science. He then met Sidney Flower, a well-known New Thought publisher and businessman, and teamed up with him. In December 1901, he assumed editorship of Flower's popular New Thought magazine. Oh, okay, that's why it stuck around for so long, because he actually he ran it. A post which he held until 1905 during these years he built for himself an enduring place in the hearts of its readers. Or, <laughs> cool. Article after article flowed from his pen. Meanwhile, he also found his own psychic club and the Adkins School of Mental Science. Both were located in the same building as Flowers Psychic Research and New Thought Publishing Company. Throughout his subsequent career, Adkinson was thought to have written under many pseudonyms. It is known excuse me, it is not known whether he ever confirmed or denied authorship of these pseudonyms works, but all of the supposedly independent authors whose writings are now accredited to Atkinson, were linked to one another by virtue of the fact that their works were related by a series of publishing houses with shared addresses, and they also wrote for a series of magazines with a shared roster of authors. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Only You podcast. And today I'm going to be reading out of a really cool book I found called The Kabbalion. And which the Kabbalion is um, read by, or I think they, the Freemasons were started from the Kabbalion, honestly. And the Alchemists. The Alchemists followed the Kabbalion too when it was written. <clears throat> and there are so many principles in here that are so 
very uh, forthcoming and it makes you think about things differently once you learn the seven um, principles, you know, and I do want to tell you what the seven principles are up front, you know, because it tells you in the table of contents. So the book goes like this, the Hermetic philosophy, which is about the Hermetic people and Egypt, the seven Hermetic principles, and these are the principle of mentalism, you know, like thoughts, feelings, emotions, the principle of correspondence, how you react, how you relate, how you write, how you speak, the principle of vibration, and that's a hard one to explain because everything in the whole world has a vibration, and it's been proven. There's a doctor out there that's actually hooked up, um, you know, an oscilloscope to plant leaves and found out that you know, in the Bible, Deuteronomy 22.11 says, you know, don't mix wool with linen. You know, you're not supposed to. Well, wool has a, a uh, vibration or a frequency of 5,000, as does linen. Linen has a 5,000 frequency too. So if you wear both at the same time, it cancels each other out so you don't feel good. You feel discontent when you have both of those materials on your body. Polyester has a 5% um, vibration or frequency. So it's actually been linked to cause infertility in men. But yet they still keep on shelling out, you know, polyester underwear and all these craptacular materials that they come up with in the, you know, science genetic world. Um, what's another one? Oh, the, num the, the best one, I believe that has the best, the, the best fiber for your body is flax material. And it is like the number one like vibration for the human body. I know a set of king size bed sheets costs about $178 that are worth a hoot. <laughs> so you guys, thank you for tuning in. Today I'm doing the Kabbalion. I'm reading to you right now the uh, um, some of the uh, tables of contents and these are the seven principles of the hermetic, or the, or the seven hermetic principles, and I just told you about vibration, that's why I got off topic about, you know, materials and how that, you know, scientists had done the oscilloscope on different materials, like their leaves and what the vibrations were. Number four is the principle of polarity, so, you know, like when somebody's like, you're bipolar, um, they go from happy to angry really fast, or they... You know, we all know that bipolarism is caused by, is a stress disorder, but it's a polarity problem. The principle of rhythm is principle five. The principle of cause and effect is six. The principle of gender is seven. And then it goes on with mental transmutation, the all, and in which, in this book, the Kabbalion, the all is God, when it talks about the all. The mental universe, the divine paradox, the all in all. And that statement right there, the all in all, that's a powerful statement. Because without God being in everything, nothing's possible. Planes of correspondence, vibration, polarity, rhythm, causation, gender, mental gender, hermetic axioms. Because gender plays a role in everything too. It's not, when people are saying like, Oh, there's gender fluid and stuff like that. Um, if you Google the word gender, it's like an expression of something new. Or something like that. Don't quote me on that. 
Alexa, what does gender mean? As a noun, gender is usually defined as either the male or female division of a species, especially as differentiated by social and cultural roles and behavior. For more, ask me to give you more definitions no, of thank gender. You. So there you go, I was a little wrong, but today I'm going to be reading out of the Kabbalion. I'm going to go here now to the book and read the seven hermetic principles. The principles of truth are seven. He who knows these understandingly possesses the magic key before those whose touch all the doors of the temple fly open. The Kabbalion. The seven hermetic principles upon which the entire hermetic philosophy is based are as followed. This book is called The Kabbalion and the first principle of mentalism. The all is mind and remember the all is like God. The universe is mental. The, Kabbal the Kabbalion and Kabbalion is spelled K-Y-B-A-L-I-O-N, if you're curious. This principle embodies the truth that all is mind. It explains that the all, which is the substantial reality underlying all the outward manifestations and appearances which we know under the terms of the material universe, the phenomena of life matter, energy, and in short, all that is apparent to our mental senses. A spirit which in itself is unknowable or undefinable, which, but which may be considered and thought of as an universal, infinite, living mind. It also explains that all the phenomenal world or universe is simply a mental creation of the all, subject to the law of creation, and that the universe as a whole, or in its parts, or units, has its existence in the mind of the all, in which mind we live and move and have our being. This principle, by establishing the mental nature of the universe, easily explains all the varied mental and physical phenomena that occupy such a large portion of the public attention and which without such explanation are non-understandable and defy scientific treatment. An understanding of this great hermetic principle of mentalism enables the individual to rapidly grasp the laws of the mental universe and to apply the same to his well-being and advancement. The hermetic student is enabled to apply intelligently the great mental laws instead of using them in a haphazard manner. With the master key in his possession, I do a podcast on the master keys as well. That's an important term right there, the master key in his possession. The student may unlock the many doors of the mental and physic temple of knowledge and enter the same freely and intelligently. The principle explains the true nature of energy, power, and that of matter, and why and how all these are subordinate to the mastery of mind. One of the old hermetic masters wrote long ago, ages ago, 
He who grasps the truth of the mental nature of the universe is well advanced on the path of mastery. And these words are as true today as at the time they were first written. Without the master key, mastery is impossible. And the student knocks in vain at the many doors of the temple. And principle two is the principle of correspondence. As above, so below, so, li so below, so above, the Kabbalion. And that's literally the second principle is correspondence, and it's as above, so below, as below, so above. The principle embodies the truth that there is always a correspondence between the laws and phenomena of the various planes of being and life. The old hermetic axiom ran in these words, as above, so below, as below, so above. And the grasping of this principle gives one the meaning of solving many of dark paradox and hidden secret of nature. There are planes beyond our knowing. But when we apply the principle of correspondence to them, we are able to understand much that would otherwise be unknowable to us. The principle is of universal application and manifestation on the various planes of the material, mental, and spiritual universe. It is a, a universal law. The ancient Hermeticists considered this principle as one of the most important mental instruments by which man was able to pry aside the obstacles which hid from view the unknown. It you, its use even tore aside the veil of Isis, which Isis is an Egyptian god, to the extent that a glimpse of the face of the goddess might be caught. Well, excuse me. Isis was a goddess. I had read a lot about her long ago, but I've not done a lot of research since then. But I knew I was close. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Only You podcast. And today I'm reading to you the Kabbalion. Just as knowledge of the principle of geometry enables man to measure distant suns and their movements while seated in his observatory, so, a knowledge of the principle of correspondence enables man to reason intelligently with the known to the unknown. Studying the monod, which that word is M-O-N-A-D, he understands the archangel. And I wanted to say with uh, the second principle, um, the correspondence, I, f I related this to also, you know, Sigmund Freud did a lot of studying and wrote a lot of books about dreams. Another person that actually was able to save people's lives through their dreams was a guy named Edgar Casey, and he was from Hopkinsville, Kentucky, and I once had family that was from that town. And Edgar Casey was able to lay his head on any type of book go into a sleep-like state, and sometimes he'd be, have to be out for very, very long extended periods of time. But um, overall, he would um, he would literally 
be able to... Well, one time they had said that he came out of the trance that he was in after having his head on eight Bibles. Which it like took him an hour to memorize every single... Bibles, wow. Every single book, eight books. And it was to save a guy that had a construction accident. And I believe a nail was like lodged in his brain or something. Um... And when he came out, he was able to walk a surgeon from back in that time because I believe it, he only lived till like 1943, I believe, or somewhere around there. It's been a while since I studied Edgar Casey, but I mean, I'm just giving you the basis. And these things that I'm telling you on this podcast are my own opinions. It's not anything that anybody can't Google and research and find themselves. Um, but I believe that the correspondence here had a, um, it reminded me a lot of Edgar Casey, so I thought I'd share that with you. And now on to principle three in the Kabbalion. The principle of vibration. Nothing rests, everything moves, everything vibrates. The Kabbalion. This principle embodies the truth that everything is in motion. Everything vibrates, nothing is at rest. Facts which modern science endorses and which each new scientific discovery tends to verify. And yet the hermetic principle was inoculated thousands of years ago by the masters of ancient Egypt. The principles explains that the differences between different manifestations of matter, energy, mind, and even spirit result largely from varying rates of vibration from the all and remember the all is god which is pure spirit down to the grotesque form of matter all is in vibration the higher the vibration the higher the position in the scale they say when you go out into public and if people are always like making eye contact with you and people are always like coming up to you is because you are on a higher vibrating tone than most people Thank you for tuning in to the Only You Podcast, and I'm reading to you now the Kabbalion. We are at the vibration stage of this reading. The vibration of spirit is at such an infinite rate of intensity and rapidness that it is practically at rest, just as a rapidly moving wheel seems to be motionless. And at the other end of the scale, there are gross forms of matter whose vibrations are so low as to seem at rest. Between these poles, there are millions upon millions of varying degrees of vibration, which I had told you earlier about the clothing you wear. It affects your well-being. If you don't spend a little bit of money on your clothes, well, they're going to keep on clothing you with anything that's going to throw you off, which I'm not saying you need to run out and buy all flax uh, jeans and t-shirts you know because they are expensive but think about trying a flax shirt and see or a, a line of flax shirts you know for a week get a week worth of flax shirts and wear those and study and take notes how it makes you feel and how the vibrations of the cloth may actually help your heart and your body not be so anxious or I mean this ain't proven, proven facts but we are all part of this world I mean our vibrations can affect stars in the galaxy to the ends of the earth, you know, and I take that stuff legit because it's real and it's true. And back to 
vibrations from um I lost my spot here. And at the other end of the scale, there are gross forms of matter whose vibrations are so low that it seems at rest. From corpuscle and electron atom and molecule to worlds and universes, everything is in vibratory motion. This is also true on the planes of energy and force, which are but varying degrees of vibration, and also on the mental planes whose states depend upon vibrations and even on to the spiritual planes and understanding of this principle with appropriate formulas enables hermetic students to control their own mental vibrations as well as those of others. The masters also apply the, this principle to the conquering of natural phenomena in various ways. He who understands the principle of vibration has grasped the scepter of power, says one of the old writers. And I find that to be very true. And another thing this reminds me of vibrations also is like a metal detector. People would think that a metal detector just detects metal, but in reality it can it detects ED currents, which are... Um, non-furious metals all the way and it's it's a type of physics it's not actually just a metal detector i mean yes it detects your most common iron um just the basic iron steel but it don't detect aluminum brass stainless stuff like that you know it the metal detector has to have ed it has to be able to detect ed currents so the hertz have to be set to a certain um degree the, the and there's like you know there's a hertz angle inside of this like there's math and geometry that go inside of the physics of a metal detector and that's what you know number three with vibrations also reminded me of that was a really actually a good read um number four is the principle of polarity everything is dual everything has poles everything has its pair of opposites like and unlike are the same. Opposites are identical in nature, but different in degree. Extremes meet all truths are but half-truths. All paradoxes may be reconciled. The Kabbalion. And I find this to be also related to, you know, horoscopes. Um, I'm a Taurus, so my exact opposite on that scale would be the Scorpio. And when I come into contact with the Scorpio, we totally vibe every time. It doesn't matter if it's a boy or a girl. For some reason, I just get along with them people. And I find that to be odd that I've never found a Scorpio I didn't like. And it's, <laughs> I've, and this is like, this book, The Polarity, makes sense to me. Of, you know, because in that, you know, the hor horoscope world, there's always an opposite end of it. And, you know, I... I I find that interesting. The prim this principle embodies the truth that everything is dual, everything has two poles, everything has its pair of opposites, all of which were old hermetic axioms. It explains the old paradoxes that have perplexed so many, which have been stated as follows. Thesis and antithesis are identical in nature, but different in degree. Opposites are the same Deferring only in degree, the pairs of opposites may be reconciled. 
extremes meet. Everything is and isn't at the same time. All truths are half-truths. Excuse me. All truths are but half-truths. Every truth is half-false. There are two sides to everything, etc., etc., etc. It explains that in everything there are two poles, or opposite aspects, and that opposites are really only the two extremes of the same thing with many varying degrees between them. And that's why also they say opposites attract. So, um, it's like, you know, a magnet. A plus and minus. They slap together, you know, because they're attracted to each other, you know. But a positive and a positive retracts and pushes away from a magnet. And I find that to be interesting because it has to do with this. To illustrate heat and cold, although opposites are really the same thing, the differences consisting merely of degrees of the same thing, look at your thermometer and see if you can discover where heat terminates and cold begins. There is no such thing as absolute heat or absolute cold. And that's the second, or no, I think that's the first law of thermodynamics. Yeah, uh, no, that's uh, energy cannot be made, uh, destroyed or created. But um, it's a type of thermodynamic, I believe it's speaking of here. But at this time when this book was written, maybe they didn't write that stuff down yet. I'm not sure. Um, the two terms, heat and cold, simply indicate varying degrees of the same thing, and that the same thing which manifests as heat and cold is merely a form, which, no, that's the second de degree of thermodynamics, which heat travels to cold. Because, like, in air conditioning, you actually are making the, the British thermal units, which is BTUs, in your home be expelled through piping and refrigerant out to a condensing fan motor where the refrigerant goes around in circle with all the heat from your home going through the pipes and the fan expelling the heat into the air in which there are people in the world trying to outlaw air conditioning in cars and buildings because they're saying that air conditioning now is the reason for global warming. And I find that pertinent because, you know, this is... This is a good read, and this is the principle of polarity, but that's something that hot and cold has to do with. The phenomena attended thereupon are manifestations of the principles of polarity. The same principle manifests in the case of light and darkness, which are the same thing. The difference consisting of varying degrees between the two poles and of the phenomena. Where does darkness leave off? The light begins. What is the difference between large and small, between hard and soft, between black and white, between sharp and dull, between noise and quiet, between high and low, between positive and negative? The principle of polarity explains these paradoxes, and no other principle can supersede it. The same principle operates on the mental plane. Let us take a radical and extreme example that of love and hate, two mental states apparently totally different, and yet there are degrees of hate and degrees of love. And in a middle point in which we use the terms like or dislike, which shade into each other so gradually that sometimes we are at a loss to know whether we like or dislike or neither. 
and all are simply degrees of the same thing as you will see if you will be excuse me if you will but think a moment and more than this and consider of more importance by the hermeticists it is possible to change the vibrations of hate to the vibrations of love in one's own mind and in the minds of others many of you who read these lines have had personal experiences of the involuntary rapid transformation from love to hate and the reverse in your own case and that of others and you will therefore realize the possibility of this being accomplished by the use of the will by means of the hermetic formulas good and evil are but the poles of the same thing and in many religions you guys that uh, they if you re go in and study ancient religions when they talked about you know good and evil it really was like one word and they meant the same thing but you know because I mean the English language isn't as meaningful as a romance language or you know like Latin or something like that so and that's why I was just including that little part but in short the art of polarization became a phrase of mental alchemy known and practiced by the ancient and modern hermetic masters and understanding of the principle will enable one to change his own polarity as well as of others if he will devote the time and study necessary to master the art and that's why I believe that anybody out there could change at any time I have known people that had mental illnesses who are no longer mentally ill that are living decent lives and being productive without all the crazy you know ups and downs or vicissitudes that come along with that kind of stress and we have all been in situations where we have you know seen polarity of love and hate um, you know dr. King talked about uh, be as wise as a serpent but as harmless as a dove and a lot of his writings and this is what he talked about too also is about good and evil a lot of times and the likes or dislikes we all have those in life and we got to learn to find the rhythm so that love can outweigh any kind of hate because hurt hurt and anger go hand in hand just like love and hate go hand in hand um, principle five is the principle of rhythm and I don't know if you guys um, know anything about uh, rhythm but rhythm is something that is it needs to be practiced I want to say because you know there's always an ebb and flow in life and if you can't get into a rhythm or a routine to where when you get up your phone's in a different room because you know these phones are why things are slowly deteriorating and relationships are falling apart and people aren't realizing the habits that they're getting pulled into by marketing companies that are looking to trick you into you know getting on your phone every so often or whatnot you know but thank you guys for listening and I want to read to you now um, out of the Kabbalion number five the principle of rhythm everything flows out and in everything has its tides 
all things rise and fall. The pendulum swing manifests in everything. The measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. Rhythm compensates the Kabbalion. The principle embodies the truth that in everything there is manifested a measured motion to and fro, a flow and inflow, a swing backward and forward, a pendulum like movement, a tide like ebb and flow, a high tide, a low tide between the two poles which exist in accordance with the principle of polarity described a moment ago. There is always an action and a reaction, an advance or a retreat, a sinking and a rising. This is in the affairs of the universe, suns, worlds, men, animals, mind, energy, and matter. This law is manifested in the creation and destruction of worlds, in the rise and fall of nations, in the life of all things, and finally in the mental states of man. And it is with this latter that the Hermeticists find the understanding of the principle most important. The Hermeticists have grasped this principle, finding its universal application, and have also discovered certain means to overcome its effects in themselves by the use of the appropriate formulas and methods. They apply the mental law of neutralization. They cannot an annual the principle or cause it to cease its operation, but they have learned how to escape its effects upon themselves to a certain degree, depending upon the mastery of the principle. They have learned how to use it instead of being used by it. And I find that to be true about any of these principles. You got to learn how to use it and not be used by it because in life, I have actually been used a lot of times by these laws because I didn't realize that these laws were in play. And a lot of times in America, we get so blindsided by, uh, you know, the mainstream media, social media, and now every aspect of life, you know, we have corporations buying up every single mom and pop shop, car wash, grocery store, making them, you know, food chains across America. Look at Dollar General, man. They really hit the ground running. They're in every small town in America, and they made a huge comeback because they got out of the city or overpopulated areas and decided to take their business to small towns. But, you know, it's hard for other people to find ways to make money out there. Now everybody's having to work for all these places instead of, you know, using their knowledge. They're getting used by it now by people that have already fine-tuned all these principles and learned to use them in everyday life. And thank you guys for listening to Only You Podcast. It's your boy, Lo Jackson. I'm doing the Kabbalion. This is a great read, you guys, honestly. Um, the master of hermetics polarizes himself at the point of which he desires to rest and then neutralizes the rhythmic swing of the pendulum, which tends to carry him to the other pole. All individuals who have attained any degree of self-mastery do this to a certain degree, more or less unconsciously, but the master does this consciously and by the use of his will, and attains a degree of poise and mental firmness almost impossible of belief on the part of the masses who are swung backward and forward like a pendulum. 
This principle and that of polarity have been closely studied by the Hermeticist, and the methods of counteracting, neutralizing, and using them form an important part of the Hermetic mental alchemy. And I do another podcast called The Alchemist. And if you get a chance to get out there and get that book, definitely do it. Principle 6. The Principle of Cause and Effect. Every cause has its effect. Every effect has its cause. Everything happens according to law. Chance is but a name for law not recognized. There are many planes of causation, but nothing escapes the law, the Kabbalion. The, pr the principle embodies the fact that there is a cause for every effect and effect from every cause. It explains that everything happens according to law, that nothing ever merely happens, that there is no such thing as chance, that while there are various planes of cause and effect, the higher dominating the lower planes, still nothing ever entirely escapes the law. The Hermeticists understand the art and method of rising above the ordinary plane of cause and effect to a degree and by mentally rising to a higher plane they become causers instead of effects. The masses of people are carried along obedient to environment, the wills and desire of others strong, stronger than themselves heredity, suggestion, and other outward causes moving them above like pawns on the chessboard of life. But the masters rising to the plane above dominate their modes, characters, qualities, and powers as well as the environment surrounding them and become movers instead of pawns. They help to play the game of life instead of being played and moved about by others' wills and environment. They use the principles Instead of being its tools, the masters obey the causation of the higher planes, but they help to rule on their own plane. In this statement, there is condensed a wealth of hermetic knowledge. Let him read who can. Principle 7. The Principle of Gender. Gender is in everything. Everything has its masculine and feminine principles. Gender manifests on all planes, the Kabbalion. The principle embodies the truth that there is gender manifested in everything, the masculine and feminine principles ever at work. This is true not only of the physical plane, but of the mental and even the spiritual planes. On the physical plane, the principle manifests as sex. On the higher planes, it takes higher forms, but the principle is ever the same. No creation, physical, mental, or spiritual, is possible without this principle. An understanding of its laws will throw light on many a subject that has perplexed the minds of men. The principle of gender works even in the direction of generation, regeneration, and creation. And earlier I wanted to say that, yeah, that's what I had read about gender when I Googled it, was regeneration, uh, or and it said, like, becoming of something new. And it reminded me of what's kind of going on in the world now. Contains the two elements or principles 
of this great principle with it, him or her. Every male thing has the female element also. Every female contains also the male principle. If you would understand the philosophy of mental and spiritual creation, generation and regeneration, you must understand and study the Hermetic principle. It contains the solution of many mysteries of life. We caution you that this principle has no reference to the many base, perniscus and degrading lustful theories, teachings and practices which are taught under fanciful titles and which are a prostitution of the great natural principle of gender. Such base revi revivals of the ancient infamous forms of phallicism, phallicism P-H-A-L-L-I-C-I-S-M, tend to ruin mind, body, and soul, and the hermetic philosophy has ever sounded the warning note against these degrading teachings which tend to tend toward lust and perversion of nat nature's principles if you seek such teachings you must go elsewhere for them hermeticisms contains nothing for you along these lines to the pure all things are pure to the base all things are base. And now on to another part of this book. Thank you guys for listening. I'm not sure um, if I've told you guys, but I am grateful for everybody that's listening right now. I am trying to better this podcast each and every day. So we're going to read Mental Transmutation. Mind as well as mentals and elements may be transmuted from state to state, degree to degree, condition to condition, pole to pole, vibration to vibration. True hermetic transmission, oh, excuse me, transmutation is a mental art, the Kabbalion. And I don't know if you guys are enjoying this read, but I found this book to be really informative about how, you know, it made me really think about how things have come about and how things have really come along. And how far we've come from ancient teachings to now. Because these people that were writing back then knew all about the capabilities of life and what was going on here. As we have stated, the Hermeticists were the original alchemists, astrologers, and psychologists. Hermes having been the founder of these schools of thought. From astrology, because Hermes was you know, Greek, and these are Greek and Egyptian teachings. From astrology has grown modern astronomy. From alchemy has grown modern chemistry. From mystic psychology has grown the modern psychology of the schools. But it must not be supposed that the ancients were ignorant of that which the modern schools suppose to their exclusive and special property. The records engraved on the stones of ancient Egypt show conclusively that the ancients had a full comprehensive knowledge of astronomy. The very building of the pyramids showing the connection between their design and the study of astronomical science. Nor were they ignorant of chemistry for the fragments of the ancient writings 
show that they were acquainted with the chemical properties of things. In fact, the ancient theories regarding physics are being slowly verified by the latest discoveries of modern science, notably those relating to the constitution of matter. And I want to uh, say here, too, that I have read a book about um, ancient Egypt and how it talked about they had these cone-shaped devices that they would put this chemical in that would lift, you know, 5,000 pounds of block with two of them in their hand. It was some kind of, like, fusion energy that was held in these cones, and that's how they built the pyramids. And... <laughs> I mean, I don't know how true that book was, but it it, I, it was interesting. The mind that created the book was like, wow, man. You know, sounds like uh, some stuff that they're coming up with now, you know. But it, it also, they say that, I think if I as I read on in that book, it was like talking about kind of like aliens and stuff too. But, nor must it be supposed that they were ignorant of the so-called modern discoveries of psychology. On the contrary, the Egyptians were especially skilled in the science of psychology, particularly in the branches that the modern schools ignore, but which nevertheless are being uncovered under the name psychic science, which is perplexing the psychologists of today and making them reluctantly admit that there may be something in it after all. The truth is that beneath the material chemistry, astronomy, and psychology, that is the psychology in its phase of brain action, like I say in my other, you know, other podcasts that I do on psychology, like the amygdala is your fight or flight response, um, your pre-medial lobes are your mindfulness, it makes, it makes you aware of, am I in danger, am I not in danger, things like that. The ancients possessed a knowledge of transcendental astronomy called astrology, of transcendental chemistry called alchemy, of transcendental psychology called mystic psychology. They possess the inner knowledge as well as the outer knowledge, the latter alone being possessed by modern scientists. Among the many secret branches of knowledge possessed by the hermeticists, was that known as mental transmutation, which forms the subject matter of this lesson. Transmutation is a term usually employed to designate the ancient art of the transmutation of metals, particularly of the base metals, into gold, which gold is has the highest electrical conductivity. That's why... 41 phones melted down, cell phones that is, is equal to about 1 kilogram of gold. So 41 phones could potentially rake you in some dough. And Russia now is thinking about turning to um, gold to sell their oil, to outsmart everybody putting embargoes on um, paper currency or electronic currency. And back to... The Kabbalion. The word transmute means to change from one nature, form, or substance into another. To transform. Webster. Accord that's where that was from, was the Webster Dictionary. And accordingly, 
Mental transmutation means the art of changing and transforming mental states, forms, and conditions into others. So you may see that mental transmutation is the art of mental chemistry. If you like the term, a form of practical mystic psychology. But this means far more than appears on the surface. Transmutation, alchemy, and chemistry on the mental plane is important enough in its effects to be sure, and if the art stopped there, it would still be one of the most important branches of study known to man, but this is only the beginning. Let us see why. And does that not remind you guys of how, you know, their Western medicine makes you believe that if you use, you know, Paxil, Zoloft, any kind of serotonin reuptake inhibitor will cause you not to be depressed. But in reality, the more, you, you probably actually have a dopamine problem to where your body is like a like an ADHD thing, more like, oh, I need dopamine, I need dopamine. Because a lot of people get angry because they're looking for a dopamine fix. A lot of men in relationships get mad at their woman because they have dopamine um, release problems and they're not aware of it. But that's what that reminded me of. The first of the seven hermetic principles is the principle of mentalism, the axiom of which is the all is mind, the universe is mental, which means that the underlying reality of the universe is mind, and that the universe itself is mental. That is, existing in the mind of the all. We sh The all is God, remember? We shall consider this principle in succeeding lessons, but let us see the effect of the principle if it be assumed to be true. If the universe is mental in its nature, the mental transmutation must be the art of changing the condition of the universe. And I want to stop right there and um, say uh, maybe that's what the Bible is getting at when it says that, you know, John 3.16, God has gave his only begotten son that who shall ever believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So if you give your life up on this earth for God and you're born again, don't that make sense? It does to me. It, it sounds to me like it's, you know, we shall consider this principle in succeeding lessons, but let us see the effect of the principle if it is, you know, yeah, yeah, is to be assumed to be true. So, you know, I believe it to be true. It sounds... If the universe is mental in its nature and the mental transmutation must be the art of changing the conditions of the universe along the lines of matter, force, and mind. So you see, therefore, the mental transmutation is the real magic of which the ancient writers had so much to say in their mystical works and about which they gave so few practitional in instructions. If all be mental, then the art which enables one to transmute mental conditions must render the master the controller of material conditions as well as those ordinarily called mental. See, cause on, see now, if, see what I said earlier. If we give up material conditions as well as those ordinarily called mental, 
we get back to the all, which is God, because we are, you know, pretty much killing ourselves to be reborn again, to live for God, as the way I understood that. As a matter of fact, none but advanced mental alchemists have been able to attain the degree of power necessary to control the grosser physical conditions. So, excuse me, such as the control of the elements of nature, the production or sensation of tempests, the production and sensation of earthquakes, and other great physical phenomena. But that such men have existed and do exist today is a matter of earnest belief to all advanced occultists of all schools that the masters exist and have these powers. The best teachers assure their students, having had experiences which justify them in such a belief and statements, these masters do not make public exhibitions of their powers but seek seclusion from the crowds of men in order to better work their may along the path of attainment. We mention their existence at this point merely to call your attention to the fact that their power is entirely mental and operates along the lines of higher mental transmutation under, her, under the hermetic principle of mentalism. The universe is mental, the Kabbalion. But studies and hermeticists of lesser degree than masters, the initiates and teachers are able to freely work along the mental plane. The mental transmutation, in fact, all that we call physic phenomena, mental influence, mental science, new thought phenomena, etc., operates along the same general lines. For there is but one principle involved, no matter by what name the phenomena be called. The student and practitioner of mental transmutation works among the mental plane, transmuting mental conditions, states, etc. into others according to various formulas, more or less efficacious. efficacious. That is E-F-F-I-C-A-C-I-O-U-S. The various treatments affirmations, denials, etc., of the schools of mental science are but formulas often quite imperfect and unscientific of the hermetic art. The majority of modern practitioners are quite ignorant compared to the ancient masters, for they lack the fundamental knowledge upon which the work is based. And I believe now that in America... The, our governments feel that they own all the most intelligent people in the world and they don't want us to um, obtain these master skills. So these books kind of like aren't really read anymore and they're not thought about and they're not talked about because of certain entities in the world that don't want you to rise up and don't want you to become more educated. Not only may the mental states, etc., of oneself be changed or transmuted by hermetic methods, but also the states of others may be and are constantly transmuted in the same way. Usually unconsciously, but often consciously by some understanding the laws and, of the laws and principles. 
in cases where the people affected are not informed of the principles of self-protection, and more than this, as many students and practitioners of modern mental science know, every mental condition, depending upon the minds of other people, may be changed or transmuted in accordance with the earnest desire, will, because that's also about vibrations too because if you when you set your desires upon something that's how people manifest the lottery too when people are like oh i wasn't even trying to win uh everything you did that day brought on vibrations that you were gonna win and even me as a kid um growing up when my mom and i would walk into i'm not proud of this but we would walk into like a liquor store or something I would tell my mom, play this lottery ticket because I would get a premonition because I knew my mom was struggling. And I knew it would lift my mom up to a level that she could provide for us because my dad had died. And I'm telling you, from the time, for two years of my life, I told my mom to play the lottery. And we probably won over $3,000 that year. And today's world, it would probably be around 25000 because that was, you know, 30 years ago or longer. But still, I... The, what it's saying here, I believe, has to do with vibrations and, you know, you know that um, psychic science, because that stuff's real. I mean, mediums are real. People that can see ahead are real, even though certain religions, you know, condemn them people. There's got to be a reason why they're here, you know, and maybe it's for bad things. I don't know. I'm not that on that kind of level. I'm just trying to relay some information that may lead someone to healing or helping them understand certain situations or why things are going on that are going on that are pretty much out of your control as, you know, a human being, but also in the fact that you could control yourself and your reaction and your um, person just by um, reading books and applying certain things that you read to become a better person all the, all around. And that's what I'm hoping for here. And back to the Kabbalion. The public are so generally informed regarding these things at present that we do not deem it necessary to mention the same at length. Our purpose at this point being merely to show the hermetic principle and art underlying all of these various forms of practice good and evil, for the force can be used in opposite directions according to hermetic principles of polarity. In this little book, we shall state the basic principles of mental transmutation that all who read may grasp the underlying principles and thus possess the master key that will unlock the many doors of the principle of polarity. And that's why I'm telling you guys, this book would help you and it'll help you understand why things in the world are the way they are, why you are the way you are, if you apply these things and you apply yourself. We shall now proceed to a consideration of the first of the Hermetic Seven Principles, the principle of mentalism in which is explained the truth that the all is mind, the universe is mental, and the words of the Kabbalion we ask the close attention and careful study of this great principle on the part of our students, for it is really the basic principle of the whole hermetic philosophy, 
and of the hermetic art of mental transmutation. Under the back of the universe of time, space and change is ever to be found. The substantial reality, the fundamental truth, the Kabbalion. Substance means that which underlies all outward manifestations, the essence, the essential reality, the thing in itself, etc. Substantial means actually existing, being the essential element, being real, etc. Reality means the state of being real, true, enduring, valid, fixed, permanent, actual, etc. Under and behind all outward appearances or manifestations, there must always be a substantial reality. This is the law. Man considers the universe of which he is a unit, sees nothing but change in matter forces and mental states. He sees that nothing really is, but everything is becoming and changing. Nothing stands still. Everything is being born, growing, denying, and very instant a thing reaches its height. It becomes, it begins to decline. The law of rhythm is in constant operation. There is no reality, enduring quality, fixity, and substantially in anything, nothing is permanent but change. He sees all things evolving from other things and resolving into other things, constant action and reaction, inflow and outflow, building up and tearing down, creation and destruction, birth, growth, and death. Nothing endures but change, and it and if he be a thinking man, he realizes that all these changing things must be outward appearances or manifestations of something underlying power and some substantial reality. And I also do the podcast called As a Man Thinketh. Check that out too. Thank you guys for listening. This is the Only You Podcast with your boy Lo Jackson. I'm going to end... The Kabbalion on that note. Seriously, pick this book up and read it. Planes of Correspondence As above, so below. As below, so above. The Kabbalion. The great second Hermanic principle embodies the truth that there is a harmony, agreement, and correspondence between the several planes of manifestation, life, and being. This truth is a truth because all that is included in the universe emanates from the same source and the same laws, principles, and characteristics applied to each unit or combination of units of activity as each manifests its own phenomena upon its own plane. For the purpose of convenience of thought and study, the Hermetic philosophy considers that the universe may be divided into three great classes of phenomena, known as the three great planes, namely, one, the great physical plane, two, the great mental plane, and three, the great spiritual plane. These divisions are more or less artificial and arbitrary, for the truth is that all of the three divisions are but ascending degrees of the great scale of life, the lowest point of which is undifferentiated matter and the highest point that of spirit and moreover the different planes shade into each other so that no hard 
and fast division may be made between the higher phenomena of the physical and the lower of the mental or between the higher of the mental and the lower of the physical. In short, the three great planes may be regarded <laughs> as three great groups of degrees of life manifestation. While the purposes of this little book do not allow us to enter into an extended discussion of or explanation of the subject of these different planes, still we think it will to give a general description of the same at this point. At the beginning, we may as well consider the question so often asked by the neophyte who desires to be informed regarding the meaning of the word plane, which term has been very freely used and very poorly explained. In many recent works upon the subject of occultalism, the question is generally about as follows. Is a plane a place having dimensions, or is it merely a condition or state? We answer, no, not a place, nor ordinary dimension of space, and yet more than a state or condition. It may be considered as a state or condition, and yet the state or condition is a degree of dimension, and a scale subject to measurement. Somewhat paradoxical, is it not? But let us examine the matter. A. Dimension, you know, is a measure in a straight line, relating to measure, etc. The ordinary dimensions of space are lengthy, breadth and height, or perhaps length, breadth, height, and thickness, or circumference. But there is another dimension of creating things or measure in a straight line known to occultists and to scientists as well. Although the latter have not as yet applied the term dimension to it, and this new dimension, which by the way is the much speculated about fourth dimension, is the standard used in determining the degree or planes. The fourth dimension may be called the dimension of vibration. It is a fact well known of modern science as well as to the hermeticists who have embodied the truth in their third hermetic principle that everything is in motion, everything vibrates, nothing is at rest. From the highest manifestation to the lowest everything and all things vibrate. Not only do they vibrate a different at different rates of motion, but as in direction and in a different manner, the degrees of the vibration, or excuse me, the degrees of the rate of vibrations constitute the degrees of measurement on the scale of vibrations. In other words, the degrees of the fourth dimension. And these degrees form the occultists call planes. The higher the degree of rate of vibration, the higher the plane and the higher the manifestation of life occupying that plane. So that while a plane is not a place nor yet a state or condition, yet it processes qualities common to both. We shall have more to say regarding the subject of the scale of vibration in our next lessons, in which we shall consider the hermetic principle of vibration 
You will kindly remember, however, that the three great planes are not actual divisions of the phenomena of the universe, but merely arbitrary terms used by the Hermeticists in order to aid in the thought and study of the vibration degrees and forms of the universe activity and life. The atom of matter, the unit of force, the mind of man, and the being of the archal angel are all but degrees in one scale, and all fundamentally the same, the difference between solely a matter of degree and rate of vibration, all are creations of the all. And remember, the all is God. And have their existence solely within the infinite mind of the all. The Hermeticists subdivided each of the three great planes into seven minor planes, and each of these latter are also subdivided into seven planes, all divisions being more or less arbitrary, shading into each other, and adopted merely for convenience of scientific study and thought. The great physical plane, and its seven minor planes, is that division of the phenomena of the universe which includes all that relates to physics or material things, forces, and manifestations. It includes all forms of that which we call matter and all forms of that which we call energy or force. But you must remember that the Hermetic philosophy does not recognize matter as a thing in itself or having a separate existence even in the mind of the all. The teachings are that matter is but a form of energy that is energy at a low rate of vibration of certain kind. And accordingly, the Hermeticists classify matter under the head of energy and give it three of the seven minor planes of the great physical plane. These seven minor physical planes are as followed. 1. The, the plane of matter. A. 2. The plane of matter. 3. The plane... Oh, then it goes through the plane of matter. 4. The plane of the ethereal substance or like ether the plane of energy six the plane of energy seven the plane of energy oh because it gives them three and three the plane of matter compromises forms of matter in its form of solids liquids and gases as generally recognized by the textbooks of on physics the plane of matter compromises certain higher and more subtle forms of matter of the existence of which modern science is but now recognizing. The phenomena of radiant matter and its phases of radium, etc. belong to the lower subdivision of the minor plane. The plane of matter compromises forms of the most subtle and tenacious matter, an existence of which is not suspected by ordinary scientists. The plane of erythral substance compromises that which scientists speak of as the ether, a substance of extreme tenuity and elasticity, pervading all universal space, which it, right there it's talking about neuroplasticity in your brain, and acting as a medium for all transmission of waves of energy such as light, heat, electricity, etc. The ethereal substance forms a connecting link between matter, so-called, and energy, and partakes of the nature of each. The hermetic teaching, 
however instructs that this plane has seven subdivisions, as have all the minor planes, and that in fact there are seven ether, ethers instead of but one. Next, above the plane of ether substance, Ethereal substance comes the plane of energy, which compromises the ordinary forms of energy known to science, its seven subplanes being respectively heat, light, mag magnetism, electricity, and attraction, including gravitation, coercion, chemical infinity, etc., and several other forms of energy indicated by scientific experiments by not as yet named or classified. The plane of energy compromises seven subplanes of higher forms of energy, not as yet discovered by science, but which have been called nature's finer forces and which are called into operation and manifestations of certain forms of mental phenomena and by which such phenomena becomes possible. The plane of energy compromises seven subplanes of energy so highly Organized that it bears many of the characteristics of life, which, but which is not recognized by the minds of men on the ordinary plane of de development. Being available for the use on beings of spiritual plane alone, such energy is unthinkable to ordinary man and may be considered almost as the divine power. The beings employing the same as gods can compared even to the highest human types known to us. The great mental plane compromises those forms of living things known to us in ordinary life as well as certain other forms not so well known except to the occultists. The classification of the seven minor mental planes is more or less satisfactory and arbitrary unless accompanied by elaborate explanations which are foreign to the purpose of the particular work, but we may as well mention them. They are as followed. 1. The plane of mineral mind. 2. The plane of elemental mind. 3. The plane of plant mind. 4. The plane of elemental mind. 5. The plant. The plane of animal mind, six, the plane of elemental mind, seven, the plane of human mind, the plane of mineral mind compromises the state or condition of the units or entities or groups and combinations of the same which animate the forms known to us as minerals, chemicals, etc. These entities must not be confounded with the molecules, atoms, and them or themselves the latter being merely the material bodies or forms of these entities just as a man's body is but material form and not himself these entities may be called souls in one sense and are living beings of a low degree of development life and mind just a little more than the units of living energy which compromise the higher subdivisions of the highest physical plane. The average mind does not generally attribute attribute the possession of mind, soul, or life to the mineral kingdom, 
but all occultists recognize the existence of the same and modern sciences rapidly moving forward to the point of view of the hermetic. In this respect, the molecules, atoms, and corpuscles have their loves and hates, likes and dislikes, attractions and repulsions, affinities and non-affinities, etc., and some of the more daring of modern scientific minds have expressed the opinion that the desire and will, emotions, and feelings of atoms differ only in degree from those of men. We have no time or space to argue this matter here. All occultists know it to be a fact, and others are referred to some of the more recent scientific works for outside corroboration. There are the usual seven subdivisions to this plane. The plane of elemental mind compromises the state or condition and degree of mental and vital development of a class of entities known to the average man but recognized to occultists. They are invisible to the ordinary sense of man but nevertheless exists and play their part of the drama of the universe. Their degree of intelligence is between that of the mineral and chemical entities on the one hand and of the entities of the plant kingdom on the other. There are seven subdivisions to this plane also. The plane of plant mind in its seven subdivisions compromise the state or condition of the entities compromising the kingdoms of the plant world. The vital and mental phenomena of which is fairly well understood by the average intelligent person, many new and interesting scientific works regarding mind and life of and plants having been published during the last decade, plants have life, mind, and souls as well as have the animals man and superman the plane of elemental mind and its seven subdivisions compromises the state and conditions of a higher form of the elemental or unseen entities playing their part in the general work of the universe the mind and life of which form a part of the scale between the plane of plant mind and the plane of animal mind and the entities partaking of the nature of both. The plane of the animal mind and its seven subdivisions compromise the states and conditions of the entities, beings, or souls animating the animal forms of life familiar to us all. It is not necessary to go into detail regarding this kingdom or plane of life, for the animal world is as familiar to us as it is our own. The plane of elemental mind in its seven subdivisions compromise those entities and beings invisible as are all such elemental forms which partake, excuse me, partake of the nature of both animal and human life in a degree and in certain combinations. The high forms are semi-human intelligence, in intelligence. The plane of human mind in its seven subdivisions compromise those manifestations of life and mentality which are common to man in his various grades, degrees, and divisions. 
In this connection, we wish to point out the fact that the average man of today occupies but the fourth subdivision of the plane of human mind, and the only most intelligent have crossed the border of the fifth subdivision. It has taken the race millions of years to reach this stage, and it will take many more years for the race to move on to the sixth and seventh subdivision and beyond. But remember that there have been races before us which have passed through these degrees and then on to higher planes. Our own race is the fifth, with stragglers from the fourth, which has set foot upon the path. And then there are a few advanced souls of our own race who have outstripped the masses and who have passed on to the sixth and seventh subdivisions and some few being still further on i would say that's like nikolai tesla elon musk uh obviously albert einstein um and a few others in our consideration of the seven minor mental planes we have merely referred to the three elemental planes Oh, excuse me, three elementary planes in a general way. We do not wish to go into this subject in detail in this work, for it does not belong to this part of general philosophy and teachings. But we may say this. In order to give you a little clearer idea of the relations of these planes to the more familiar ones, the elementary planes bear the same relations to the planes of mineral, plant, animal, and human mentality and life. And the black keys on the piano... Do, and the black keys on the piano due to the white keys. The white keys are sufficient to produce music, but there are certain scales, melodies, and harmonies in which the black keys play their part and in which their presence is necessary. They are all also necessary as connecting links of the soul condition, entity states, etc. Between the several other planes, certain forms of the development being attained therein, this Last fact giving to the reader who can read between the lines a new light upon the process of evolution and a new key to the secret door of the leaps of life between kingdom and kingdom. The great kingdoms of elementals are fully recognized by all occultists and the Esoteric writings are full of mention of them. The readers of Bulwer's Sunani and similar tales will recognize the entities inhabiting these planes of life. Passing on from the great mental plane to the great spiritual plane, what shall we say? How can we explain these higher states of being, life and mind, to minds as yet unable to grasp and understand the higher subdivisions of the plane of the human mind? The task is impossible. We can speak only in the most general terms. How may light be described to a man born blind? How sugar to a man who has never tasted anything sweet? How harmony to one who was born deaf? Thank you everybody for listening to the Only You Podcast. Once again, it's your boy Lil Jackson. Tune in next time for another great read and another great find of a book that's out there that could help you and better your life, develop yourself, and uh, get over things that you're going through. Have a great day, y'all. Till next time.